This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Demi Moore were responsible for the launch of Planet Hollywood. If Rob Schneider, Gary Busey, and Tara Reid were responsible for launching something, it would probably look just like this show. This is Funny People Talking. I'm Dr. Rachel Farkas. I'm a breast surgeon, and I would rather scrub the toilets in my house with my own toothbrush <laughs> than hear funny people talking. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Funny People Talking. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rico, and directly in front of me, it is digital after all, is my truly my good friend, a person I respect Aww. very much. Elsie, no, it's Dresden. Hi, Dresden. Hey, Mark, back at you, my friend. I'm so excited about Yay. today's show. I am too. I am too. I have a feeling it's going to be one of those shows that the guest is not someone you might normally think of as a guest on this show until the end of the episode, when I'm guessing you'll say, well, mm. that made perfect sense. So I love this. And also with us, of course, our good friend as well, and our producer, one name only, Elsie. Hi, Elsie. Hey. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> okay. I, I just, you know. No, Dr. Farkas, she, she, she is excited you're here, I swear. That's like a yeah. nine. My, She's at a my nine. thing is, um, you know, I'm sitting directly in front of you too, Mark, and no. I hope Brilliant. you're excited. Hmm. How's none of your business? Her cat is called none of your business. How's none of your business? He's fine. He's good. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good chat. Uh, also with us is Dr. Rachel Farkas, as you heard uh, earlier. Uh, she is a breast surgeon, but she's also well-known amongst her patients for her use of humor amongst her other talents, obviously. And it's something her patients often apparently talk about is how much her humor has helped their healing. Humor and healing, two H's again. Here we go. Hi. Uh, Thanks hi. for having me. Welcome to the show. We're so happy. And it just so happens we're catching Rachel on a day where Dresden's been working with her with a lot of <laughs> various PR and marketing and so forth like that from very early in the morning on the TV. And I'm uh, so glad that I was doing my hair at four o'clock in the morning because you can't even see me. That's right. Oh, well. That's right. She has a hair for radio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, no, no, it looks like... good. It yeah. looks good, actually. It's a, it's a, <laughs> look how fast Dresden was trying to come to rescue. This is not your role on this show, Dresden, right now. Can I, she can almost I... came to my defense, but she did not. <laughs> I, I, was, I was forming my words. But what I do want to say is we have the pleasure, because obviously yes. we can interact with each other best if we're on a on a video chat here is that Dr. Farkas, Rachel, is sipping pink wine because October yes. is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So you, you see this all the way through, girl. Didn't Cheers. even think of that. Wow. Way to go. Nice. Yeah, I only sip pink wine in October. I'm drinking beer because of Oktoberfest. Yes. So no, different, good. And I have September, September, but that's another... Whatever. Well, this morning when we did TV, yeah, it was kind of funny because the journalist with whom I'm friends was like, "Yeah, Doctor Farkas can come in and be serious at the 7:05 and the 6:40 a.m." And then he met her, and he wouldn't let her go. He made her do all six interviews. He even made her like take spandex off the shelf at the at the health club and spin. Oh. And he's interviewing her while she's spinning. So, in other words, this is not your uh, your father's health journal show. 
It's been quite a day. Quite I'm very day. privileged. Well, well <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so happy to have you, Rachel. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to find all about uh, the things that you do. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting conversation. Uh, but we're also going to, of course, have a Dresden moment, as per usual. Oh. Elsie will uh, – I happen to yum know what it yuck. is. An installment of Yum or Yuck, where she is a, a food yeah. to taste – and and I have to say, it's something that you might not norm. I happen to know what it is this time, and it's something you wouldn't normally think of having. So it's one that yeah. you're glad that you don't have to share. Yeah, this might just be for her. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, we'll see. Um, and of course, an improv game, uh, which in this particular instance, I don't even know what it is yet. I won't know till we get there, and we'll see what it is. Uh, so that that's 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 making it up on the spot, right? But before we get started, quickly, very quickly, I have a question for Dresden. Okay. Uh, well, well, Dresden, I did enjoy very much as we were getting ready for the show, and I saw you sort of, you know, uh, scooting around, getting ready to be on mic. You were yeah. singing a lot of opera. Which I didn't oh, realize you did, but 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 huh. the the key was it sounded like you were doing it like you had been sucking helium and then singing opera, which oh, which which, which oh. I which I I thought was really interesting. Oh, is, is, yeah. is there a particular like is that just is that a, a thing you do often or? Well, yeah. I mean, so here's the deal. We all know the saying: "It ain't over till the fat lady sings." <laughs> oh no! So I. Just like I were black to make you think I'm a size five, I figure that I'll do the helium so you think I'm a soprano. Oh, the beautiful part. And beautiful soprano, helium sucking soprano. And then when I sing, it's over. So when you, when, if I said you sucked when you were singing opera, you'd be like, absolutely. That's exactly what I was saying. Uh, there was a sucking motion involved, yes. There was. Okay, on that note, Trez, <laughs> tell me to start the show, would you? Oh, he gets me every time. Hey, Mark. Yeah, let's hey, Dress. Let's do this thing. All right, let's start the show. From the Mouth Media Network Studios in New York City, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Dresden Engel, and Elsie. All right, everybody, we are here with Dr. Rachel Farkas and, of course, Dresden and Elsie and me, Mark, and you, the listeners. We're all here, all of us, in the same place, but not really, but sort of. On that note, let's get some housekeeping out of the way, shall we? And that is our very famous, I don't know if it's famous because I don't know if she knows about it, but we do a an appeal to Tina Fey in every episode where we pray to the comedy gods, the hope that someday, some way the great and powerful Tina Fey will make her way onto the show, uh, write in, send a car by, send us pizza, a postcard. I don't care what it is. Some way interact with the show, ideally on the show. We're just going to do a quick prayer to the comedy gods as we always do. Just sending it out to the universe. Rachel, feel free to participate. If it moves you, I'll Mm. lead it off. Oh, Tina Fey, comedy gods, please be Tina, on the show. We need Tina, you, Tina. It'd be nice if you just reach out. We love Tina, you. You can text, you are send a postcard with a Tina, can you hear me? Be cool. Tina, we're waiting. Tina, 
can you, you can hear even call me? it in. Zoom, whatever. Please come. It would make our day. Aww. What a beautiful way to finish. Thank you, Rachel. That That's was it. lovely. All right, that's it. I did, for... a, I did a little yentl for you, Dr. Focus. Did, did you? A oh, you're, you're dialing Tina, into my history. Tina, can you hear Tina, us? Tina, can you hear me? There right. you go. Love it. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Let's get to a big old, lots of fun Dresden moment. And now it's time for Dresden Moments. Dresden with your many, many celebrity experiences. Which one? Oh, which one to pick? But I'm going to suggest you pick that one. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm looking at my list. Well, I do have a note here. I would just like to point out, Dresden has a list. I did. I made a list. I had to make a list because sometimes I'll forget that this is part of the show. I I would have picked it for you if you would have asked me. Oh, darn it. All right. As a Jewish mother, I like to control things. <laughs> Over here in the dark, all alone. So uh-huh. I just have this joke. I'm very bad. When yes. I meet celebrities, I won't say this to their face, but I'll say it to other people. When I've done stuff with celebrities, when they're very small. So I said it about Willem Dafoe. I said it about Bon Jovi. And I said it about Paul Simon. Willem Dafoe, I had to shoot a video with. Bon Jovi, I had the pleasure of hanging out with after a Saturday Night Live show. And Paul Simon hung out backstage for a show I was doing PR for. And what I say is they're so small, I could breastfeed them. (laughs) (laughs) And I said that in honor of our oncologist breast surgeon today. Were you an accomplished breastfeeder? At the time, probably not. I'm just asking. Honey, if it's Bon Jovi, I would make it work. But um, honey, I, I would make it work for Bon Jovi as well. He's living oh, on your fight. He's living on your he's prayer. Right there. And for the record, I was unable to breastfeed, but I would lie and tell him I could just so we could make it happen. <laughs> oh my God. So I bet because so Tina Fey has this thing in her book, Bossy Pants, where she says she hates being judged that she couldn't breastfeed. Yeah. Hated it. And she, because she had to work. That's why she Mm -hmm. couldn't breastfeed. She had to. And she said, my favorite was though, I'd get my, I'd get my revenge when people would get in my adoptee mom's faces Mm -hmm. and tell them that they should have even tried to breastfeed too. And then the adoptive moms would destroy the evangelist so so that part of tina's book made me giggle a little bit yes i'm team tina all the way yes so you're gonna help us send good vibes but i think we'll stop at breastfeeding today because okay you know we don't want to use up all the dresden moments they'll they'll end at some point there's like a hundred maybe 200 I can't, I can't wait. We should have so many episodes of this show that we can. Oh, exhaust we will. Our, oh, we and will. By that Mark point, you'll have new ones, right? Yeah. So many. That's right. It's true. All right. It is now time for a. It's an installment. It's an insertion. It's a scene, if you will, a little playlet, yum or yuck, where our producer Elsie, uh, Rachel, she she goes a lot of places and. Right now, it's a lot more through Amazon and and mail or or, uh, (laughs) e-commerce. But she finds amazing and unusual food. Sometimes it's just crazy off the charts. Sometimes it's just things you wouldn't think of. But previously on the show, when we were doing it in the studio, we had the opportunity to um, actually share this amongst the hosts and the guests. And we could all enjoy, unfortunately, due to... uh, 
social distancing and the fact that right now we're remote, we don't do that. So instead, just Elsie tastes it, tells us about it. And that's the Ooh. segment. So, Elsie, what you got for yum or yuck? She loves bacon. She's cantankerous and her cat's in a jazz band. She's the producer. It's Elsie. All right. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's K-A-I-M-A-N-A. So, Kaimana. I don't know. Kaimana is the brand. Kaimana jerky. It's a tuna jerky. It's Hawaiian. I don't know if you got that off of the name. And it's a peppered, peppered tuna. tuna jerky. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I've had salmon jerky before, and I found it immensely distasteful. Personally. Yeah. I'm not a salmon well, fan, though. That may have affected it, but. So um, I'm going to try this. But it's made with 100% wild-caught tuna in Hawaii. It's really good for you, though. So there's that benefit. There's 23 grams of protein, sustainably caught, good source of omega-3s. Anyway, I'm going to eat it, so the, here we go. The amazing thing about jerky is if you – I don't know, uh, Rachel, have you ever been in a jerky store through your travels or whatever? There's I like, didn't know there were dedicated jerky stores. There are whole stores, and all it is is jerky and the like uh, and yeah. meat sticks and stuff. And, and there is every – if you can think of a meat – there's a jerky for it. Like there's yeah. going to be like elk jerky and snake jerky and alligator jerky and all sorts of crazy fish jerky. On and stuff. one of our shows, we had kangaroo. It's just the other white meat, I guess. I don't know. The kangaroo <laughs> jerky was gross. All right. Well, I'm just going to tell you that this is super pungent. Super. Oh, really? <laughs> like I, I can hold it a foot away and I smell it. Is it so oh, good or, or are you a little it's super. It's like super fishy, super big time. Oh, are you fishy. sure you want to eat it? If none of your business doesn't show up, I'll be shocked. Are you sure you're willing to eat this? I don't want you to get No, I'm going to eat it. That's the show. Let's do it. So okay. ready? I'm eating Anything. a piece. It's, it's substantial. Okay. It's substantial. So I'm not eating like a little tiny like grain of rice bite. So okay. I'm taking. All right. A 50 cent piece. All right. So ready? Here Best we go. Of luck. One, two, three, go. She's yeah. eating it. She's chewing it. She's still Sounds alive so crunchy. far. It did sound crunchy. You know. Is this like smelly cheese that you don't think it's going to be good but when you taste it? It's amazing. It's very peppery, and I think that's what saves it. But it's really fishy, so if you do not like fish, you're doomed. Gotcha. I mean, it's very strong. Very strong. Gotcha. Wow. I will say that I'm glad I'm trying it. I will not be purchasing it. <laughs> okay. But the aftertaste, by the way, is fine. You just have the, a little bit of sweetness and um, pepper. I think they put some brown sugar or something on this because that's sweetness. I don't know where this come from. I will say this is like uh, like a 45 out of 72 chickens. It's it's not a yum. <laughs> it's, um, I, I hesitate to say yuck, but it's a yunk. It's closer to the unk part of it. Got it. Got it. All right, well, tuna jerky, who knew? So thank you very much, wow. Elsie. That's a yunk for that one. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, guess what? It's improv time right after this. What if your idea of paradise is having some alone time? Do you still need two tickets? <laughs> <laughs> this is Funny People Talking. 
As an American, there is no greater privilege and responsibility than choosing who will represent you and your family to determine the course of history, your lives, the economy, your health, your safety. On November 3rd, please choose to vote. To vote early or if you need an absentee or mail-in ballot, please visit vote.org. Your future self thanks you. It took oh. every ounce of my being to not say that with my listening partner. Oh, I think I could just be running the <laughs> You've had so what? many, I hear. What, tuna jerky? I say it all the time. Yeah, tuna no, jerky. nicknames in college. Boom. <laughs> By the way. I don't know which part of that is the bad part. Yeah, uh-huh. I had two bites. Did oh, you, I, I was going to mention that. So it couldn't have been that bad if you went for a second. <laughs> so... That's, I don't know if I did that uh, unconsciously. I just went and ate it. I don't know. My husband is sort of a hoarder. And so I often find beef jerky in my purse. Like he'll stash it there, you know, for, for later. No, we need, that has to be in the show. I'm sorry. I, I, I was going to throw it in there, but then you took a big bite and I didn't want you to hear about my hoarder husband. Oh. That was cool. How okay. excited would your husband be to know that you just... Out of him, let us all yeah. Know. yeah. What's your yeah, husband? Be- what's your husband's first name? Jacob. Okay, hey, hey, shout out to Jacob. Thanks for taking one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, a good man. All right, we're going to play a game that I just made up. It's called Overacting News Report. <laughs> the idea is that you're a reporter in the field. But based on a suggestion given to you before we start, you have to report on the story, but with whatever style of overacting that you are given. So it might be soap opera. It might be, you know, a bad amateur actor. It might be child actor. It might be, I don't know. Can you think of other ways people can overact? The high school, the speech, you know, when you give your valedictorian address, you know, there like, you I love yeah. my high school because. Exactly. Oh, so that whatever. just became a genre for us now. Thank you, Dr. I was going to say it's bat mitzvah, but I don't want to be like the overdue, you know, at my bat mitzvah, I want to thank my mother and father for everything I, they give me. I the overdue. <laughs> you know do you know what's so funny? I was going to suggest a Jewish-themed improv game, but I was afraid that may not come off well, so I decided oh no. not to do you it. You have a Jew in your presence, so you well, can I do whatever that. you want. It's like you get a jail-free <laughs> card. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, well, I wasn't afraid of offending you. I was like, just, you know, I was like, I didn't know maybe oh, that no. was over the line, but... Cross it. Jump that bridge. Cross it, okay. Jewish so, cross it. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I've decided... <laughs> I'm making an audible. I'm making Rachel, an audible. Rachel's it's, trying to do a sign of the cross, and it turned into a circle. No, I can starred myself. Can to be a star. It's this is, oh, it's this, is, this is the Jewish mother news reporter, where every, oh, yes. everything is being reported on as a quote stereotypical Jewish mother. All right, so uh, mm-hmm. the, the key is that what's being reported on isn't necessarily something that you would normally report on. It may be something a little smaller, perhaps something a Jewish mother would. Uh, now, let me just jump in for our guest. Rachel, do you want one of us to do it first, or are you ready to be our first improviser? Oh, no. I've been, oh. I've been practicing all my life for this. 
Um, I I took a speech class in college that I almost failed. I am ready. Okay, so bring uh, it. And now an improvisational comedy game. Dresden, why don't you give Rachel a suggestion of what her news story is, and I'll pitch it to her from the anchor desk. Your daughter is going to wear to her prom a white I love dress. how you're, you're jumping into the Jewish mother accent here a little bit. Did I do it? You did it All a right. little bit. Your daughter is going to prom, okay? Mm-hmm. And her dress does not match her date's tuxedo. Okay, there we go. Wants a new one. Beautiful. Okay, so I'm going to pitch it to you from the newsroom. You're out in the field as a, a live in the field report, okay? So but here we can, go. Can we adjust? I'm just going to adjust it. I'm going to adjust what you tell me. That's fine. Okay. Breaking news, everybody. Uh, just a moment. We're breaking into our story here. We have a live report from the field from uh, Rachel, our reporter live in the city. Uh, she has a, a, a very interesting breaking news report. Rachel, can you hear us? Tell us what is happening. I can hear you. I'm very concerned. Okay. So I just want to tell you that my daughter, Sarah Grace, was wearing <laughs> a white dress to her prom. And oh. she forgot. That she was supposed to match her date. How could she do that? He was wearing a blue-colored tuxedo. A blue-colored tuxedo. Is that what boys wear nowadays? I don't even know. But a blue-colored tuxedo that did not match her white dress. Now, what happens? What happens if they get married? How am I going to show this picture at the wedding? I mean, is that right? Why is she doing that to me? Why is she doing that to me? Rachel, is there any type of emergency response on scene? Oh, my God. So I sent my friend Sylvia over. You know, I can't go myself because if I go myself, then she'll know. Oh, my God, my mother's here. What an embarrassment. So I sent Sylvia. Sylvia's going to go, and she's going to put a blue shawl on her. And when she wears the blue shawl, then she's going to match the tuxedo, and then we're going to take an emergency picture. And when we take the picture, then I can put that up at the wedding. Oh, no. Okay, and, and uh, one, one more. Oh, we got to laugh out of Elsie. This must be killing. Uh, so, so, Rachel, Rachel, one more uh, question for you. Is it seen that there's going to be any lasting damage from this issue? Lasting damage? I think she's trying to kill me. I'm her mother. This is a photo album. Do you know how important a photo album is to a Jewish mother? I can't. If she ruins my photo album, this is like, I'm going to have to re-edit all of 2020. I mean, 2020 is a shitty year already. Now, what am I going to do? I don't know. I just don't know. All right. Well, thank you so much for reporting in on that, Rachel. Live in the field with an extraordinary development. Uh, we'll get back to her later in the evening as they continue. Uh, back to regular programming. Oh, my God. There's no reason to play the rest of the game, honestly. That was just, like, the winner. But congratulations. Thank Actually, you Actually, I, I, I think we should pass. Go ahead, because... Dresden. You try to beat the Jewish, the Jewish Jewish mother. Listen, so. listen, you with your 72 medical degrees, I have a theater degree, and you're going to shame me. Listen, in front if of all you people. went up it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a suggestion. Watch the doctor okay, give the actor Mark, a suggestion. The doctor has just taken over the OR, I mean the podcast. <laughs> You up the game by being the Jewish grandmother. Who is? Oh, my God. Me? Dresden, if you want to up the game, you go grandma style. Oh, grandma style. Okay, so, Elsie, why don't you give uh, Dresden the story she's reporting on for the field, and you can throw it to her from the anchor desk, huh? 
um, the grandma who found out that she just had to host a holiday because someone else's home was quarantined. Oh, no. So okay. this is last minute. All right, Elsie, throw it to her from the studio. We're here at WKLF, and uh, we just found out that um, this uh, grandmother, who we don't have the name of yet, has just found out that she's got to host the uh, high holiday because her family's home has been quarantined due to COVID, and she's got no time to prepare for her 25 relatives coming over imminently. So take it over. I'm sorry, Dresden already has the face on. Go ahead, No. Do I speak now? Now? Is it on? on Is it on? Hello. My name is Rachel Lachayim, and I am in my living room because I can't go anywhere else other than my room for living room, right? Of course, right, because I'm here, because for once I was going to get a break, filter this, filter that. I was going to get a break, but no, quarantine, quarantine. He had to go to freaking Maryland. No, he didn't need to see that shiksa. No, he could have easily just hosted and had the dinner like he said. I don't know if I can <laughs> talk anymore. So sorry. <sighs> Um, so excuse me, the cleaning lady, excuse me, um, excuse me, tell them to set the table, the good silverware. All right. So, um, how much time do you have left to prepare before the first guest is expected? to? I only have 48 hours. You know how hard that is to put together a meal for 12 people. Do you have any help? I got my manservant. I got some other people. But you know what? If my grandchildren, my grandchildren, if they loved me, they'd be here. <laughs> Not doing the TikToks and the TikToks and the Snapchats and this whatever. You know, they'd be here with me. But, oh, yes, I love you. I love you. Where are they? They're not here for me. I got to go. I'm sorry. Excuse me. That's the wrong China. All right. We've got about all we can right now, I think. So <laughs> we'll possibly check back in later. Hopefully she'll be okay. Dresden. Yay, Dresden. No, Rachel didn't laugh. Rachel didn't laugh. She did laugh. Rachel, oh, I saw oh her she laugh. did one golf I clap. Did you oh, see? Cool. No, it was one little soft golf clap. I was being respectful. <laughs> of my Jewish grandmother. Oh, well, there you go. Beautiful. Rachel, nice comeback. All right, uh, Elsie, do you want to partake? Sure. Okay. Rachel, you want to give uh, Elsie a story she's covering? Elsie, just so you know, she's not going to laugh no matter how good you are, but go on. Oh, I'm going to laugh. All right, oh. Elsie. <laughs> Your only son has decided that he's never going to marry because he wants to dedicate his life to the pursuit of... It doesn't matter. You can make it up. Your child is never going to marry. He's announced that there will never be grandchildren. He's your only son. All right. Uh, and, and Rachel, if you want to play newscaster and throw it to her from the studio, if you want to jump in on that. So breaking news, Elsie's son has decided that he will never marry and never have children. He's breaking this to his mother right now as we speak. And now we're going to hear how she feels about that. <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh... I just found out my son is never going to get the heck out of the house. 
it's only an apartment here in New York City, so it's already close quarters. And I'm rather, you know, fit to be tied because, you know, quarantine's already driven me up the wall. And um, he uh, decided that he's not going to go finish school either. He's only got two credits left, which is ridiculous. So I, I asked, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to work on the computer. I'm like, doing what? Making what money? And he's like, well, I live with you, Ma. It's good. It's all good. And I was like, no, not all good. I'm not cool with this at all. And I said, so who's paying your health insurance? He's like, you, Ma, you are. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. That's not how it works here. You got to get a job. And he's like, well, but I have allergies, so I can't go outside. It's like, <laughs> it's like, well, that's, that's do a telecommuter job. I mean, you're on that damn computer, you know, do your job to get a, get a job where you don't have to see people or be outside. It's, it's, you know, but stay in your room and stay away from me. And, uh, he says, yeah, but, you know, I can still go out and get you some Burger King because, you know, that's my favorite dinner. I was like, Burger King? I don't feed you Burger King. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sitting here and it's like, for the love of God, I mean, this is just, you just, you're just catching me as I'm catching this news. And I'm already like, what? The, I can't do this for the rest of my life. So I don't know. I, I need callers. Callers, call in. Give give us a one eight hundred at my need help. <laughs> All right, and scene. Thank you very much, Elsie. Well played. You prevailed despite no discernible Jewish accent. Oh, it was just know. New York. Just New, New York. York chic. It's too. It's my. I, I pick on Elsie. It's just what I do. Yeah. Okay. Fair is fair. I don't see. How I could follow anything that any of you did. But should I do a Jewish mother? Or a or a Jewish grandfather, or what? What should I do? Well, gender roles rule. So why don't you do be the man? Okay, sure, whatever you want. And uh, Drez, what's my story? Your story, my friend, is that you were just so spooked by all the Halloween decorations at Target. You just want to go in and buy socks, and there's there's Halloween decorations everywhere, and you just can't take it anymore. You want to throw it to me or? Uh... Yes. Hi, here I am at WJEW, and we are going to Fiscus Bergenchamp, who is at the local Target, and he's very concerned, and apparently there is a ruckus in the candy aisle amidst the costumes. Um, please, uh, I, I toss it to you, sir. Please tell me what is going on at our local Target. Yeah, I'm Fiscus uh, Bergenchamp here in, uh, on location at a target and uh, uh I don't know what's going on here it's kind of it's kind of it's a, it's all uh, and uh I see too much of the halloween what is this uh halloween it's uh, hanukkah it's all the h holidays all at one time <laughs> I don't know from Murgatroyd or whatever it's a, it's a, it's a thing and you know what I think I think they're all trying to kill us that's what it is you're going to murder us uh, excuse yeah. me, are you speaking to all the, all the high caloric candy or are you near some costumes that are quite disturbing? Are you questioning me? Are you asking me? No, no, I'm wondering what is Because I don't know who most, you think sir. you are. You know, I come from a generation of survivors. I know when a question is being asked and when it's not. So just you pipe down there, Missy. Are there any scary costumes like witches or bats or vampires? Is that what's bothering you, I sir? I did see someone dressed up as that Miley Cyrus or whatever she is. That was pretty scary. But uh, because I believe she is the downfall of civilization here. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm starting to leak into a little Archie Bunker, so I'm going to be... 
<laughs> I came in like a wrecking ball. That's right. So, um, Fiscus, yes. maybe you should go to the express aisle and, and defer your report no this No problem. Miss, Miss, where's the express aisle? All right, that's it. Thank you very much. I don't know if that was good or not, oh but it was God. fun. With all due respect to all our that's Jewish right. friends, we do, we're we sorry. And thank you for paying for I the show. I accept your apology on their behalf. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank You're you, welcome. Jewish representative. All right, a quick break, and then we are back. <laughs> thank you, Jewish representative. <laughs> thank you. It's only, you hear that back when you listen to the show later, you know? You uh, have no idea. I can hear I'm it through sorry. the wall. <laughs> okay, so we will take a quick break. When we are back, it's going to be with Dr. Rachel Farkas. Right after this. Never forget, we're the ones who knock. This is Funny People Talking. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. Okay, uh, Dr. Rachel Farkas. Rachel, uh, I, I By the think... way, one day with or without me, you have to bring up the topic of the Hanukkah bush. You know, the yes. Christmas tree, but it's the Hanukkah bush? Go ahead. The Hanukkah bush, yes. Uh, do you want to okay. just talk about that now? I mean, you know... No, just stash it for later. Stash it, the Hanukkah bush. Got it, okay. Rachel, you are a surgeon, but you are also a healer, which I know is kind of the same thing you you are someone who helps women with their confidence and their identity you are also someone who humor plays a big part in your healing process either by design or or just that's an extension you are by accident so my question is is what really drove you to become a doctor and how does where you are right now with you all of your doctoring how how does that reflect what you thought that would be when you first set out to do that versus Let where it is right now? Let me just specify in case you didn't understand the question with all of your doctoring. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. You just wanted to mock him. I understand. You know, it's, it's funny. It right right now, in was. the point of the edited show, there was a point when Dresden said something and we cut her out. And no, I'm kidding. just surprised you don't mute her at some point and like let her just. <laughs> <laughs> and she thinks she's talking, but it's not actually happening. I know. I know. It's oh my so God. Um, so... Do we have like a serious moment? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go oh, back let's go to back. her compassion. Go. Let's talk about the compassion from Dr. Rachel. <laughs> and all the doctoring that's going on. Faking, no. oh, the big, faking the big E is what we call it. As a doctor, you have to go. What does that oh, mean? You don't know. So yeah, as a physician, you have to go yeah. through all these courses. And some of them are a little bit more inane than others. And one of them is like a, a practical sort of live demonstration where you have to talk to a patient, explain a complication what went wrong. It's not a real complication. It's just, you know, in medical school, it's Mm -hmm. sort of a a role play thing. And so we used to call it faking the big E. The big E is empathy, right? Right. Because empathy, you either have it or you don't. Right. And so most people who go into a field of of medicine, unless they're going to be, you know, someone who doesn't interact with patients, usually empathy is innate, right? Like you can't teach empathy. You can try, 
So we used to, we always called it faking the big E, you know, because you go into that test and you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But it's so, it's so overdone, right? Because empathy is something that you, you have, it's just in you. And if you don't have it, then you should have a job in computer science, like Elsie Sun. Oh, and so were you. (laughs) Good, good, good callback. Yeah. Uh, Were you, you know, just like, you know, you stand up on stage and you sing a song when it's time to sing a song and a good voice comes out. You're like, oh, yay. Were you pleasantly surprised that you had empathy? You know, I was. I thought I did. So my are we are we there? Are we talking about it? Because I can just tell you how I we're we're here. how How I came to this. Sure. We're biggie. We're, we're all faking the, the biggie all the way. All I don't the think way. I had to fake the big E. You know, when you when you go to medical school or when I went to medical school, so I'll tell you how it went down. And this may be, you know, sort of a version of it, but everyone's got a version of how they came to their decision. I had a Jewish mother. My Jewish mother always I, I'm one of four children. I have two sisters and a brother. And so my mother, when she had her son, said, He's gonna be a doctor. You know, because that's like the Jewish mother's dream. My parents were not physicians, but she always had this dream of her son being a doctor. And it's not true. I mean, from a very young age, I remember her buying him that little doctor onesie. And I was like, what is this shit? (laughs) And what's funny is that he was the youngest and all of her preceding children. So myself, I was the oldest, my sister, who's a year younger than me, actually 11 months. And then my sister, who's two years younger than her, we all went into the medical field. I'm a doctor. My sister's a cardiologist. My younger sister's a nurse. And I think we all kind of did it because my mom was real focused on my brother being a doctor. My brother actually really didn't want to be a doctor. I think like he just had to do it to satisfy his Jewish mother. So I knew I liked medicine. I liked science. I, I like things that make sense. And then once you're thrust into this medical world, you got to figure out what you're going to do, right? So every girl says, I'm going to be a pediatrician because I'm going to take care of little babies, right? Because that's our, our fascination. But that didn't work for me. And I loved surgery. I loved the mechanics. I loved the way you could use your hands to fix a problem. I didn't want to give someone a medication and wait three months and say, oh, now you're better. Like, I like the immediacy of fixing a problem. Come in, fix problem, leave. So that was really satisfying. But on the flip side, you might have noticed that I really like to talk. I like to talk, not to hear my own voice. My husband says that that's not true. I like to interact. (laughs) I like that human interaction. And what I do, breast surgery, is literally 50% talk and 50% surgery. Breast cancer, breast cancer surgery is full of options. And it's unlike any other cancer operation, right? So you've got cancer in your colon, your colon's coming out. You have cancer in your breast, you've got like at least three options that I can think of off the top of my head for any given cancer, how we could do it. And there are so many variables, big breast, small breast, mastectomy, lumpectomy. We're involving the plastic surgeon. We're not involving the plastic surgeon. So many options. And that really is just a place where I feel so comfortable in educating a patient and letting them letting them choose or navigate their own path to a surgical decision. And you often include the whole Dresden family. likes to talk about that. I make it a family affair. So my mm-hmm. my um my consultations are are loud and boisterous, just like me. 
you know, there's always a family member who sits in left field, listens to the whole conversation. And then at the end says something like, I don't know if I agree with all this. And I'm like, oh my God, are you the patient? But I love that. I love that it's a family ordeal. And I love that it's something that that's intimate. You know, it's not, it's not your colon, it's your breast. It's part of your person. It's part of your identity. And no matter how many women will come to me and say, I don't care about these. You know what they do? They care about it in some way because it's a, it's a part of you that sits on the outside that you really have to make a conscious decision of how you're going to treat it. And I love being involved in that process. Now, I find it interesting, and I don't, I don't mean this as – I'm not calling you out. I don't mean it as a criticism. Call but me made, out. No, 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 no. But it made me think that all you've talked about so far <clears throat> is women. Do you exclusively treat women with breast cancer or do you treat men as well? So only 1% of breast cancers in the United States are, are men. So it's a really small population. Mm -hmm. That being said, I treat both men and women. And you're right. Thank you for calling me out on it because I do have male patients. And I give the same TLC, if you'd like, to men as to women in a different way. So traditionally, male breast cancer was treated with mastectomy, meaning man has breast cancer, we cut off man's breast. Well, you know what? We don't have to do that either. Men can have a lumpectomy, meaning just cutting out the tumor, just like women. And as, as you know, if you think about your own breasts, and you can look down right now and see what you got going on there, men have some breast volume. And so it's not necessary to cut off the whole breast and make you look asymmetrical, lopsided, to treat a male breast cancer. So thank you for calling me out on that. You are completely correct. So I've had the opportunity to read some testimonials from Dr. Farkas's patients, and that's why I wanted to invite her on this podcast, because they were saying, it was the scariest time of my entire life. You got me through it, and your sense of humor was so appreciated. And, you know, here it is, scariest time of their entire life, and yet you, you bring humor to the table. You see that that's important. Can you talk about that a little? So, you know, in thinking about it now, I kind of feel like it's how you open your improv show. You know, I have my standard routine that I, I go through with patients. There's a very important educational process, but I really feed off of what's going on in the room. I feed off of the family. I feed off of those little pieces of information that they feed me. You know, I, I don't just sort of get up there and, and tell jokes, although I would love to, because I think that that's kind of fun. I try to read the room and give them what they need. And I think it's great. I mean, I've, I know that when I'm meeting with a new patient, I often will come to a point where they laugh or they smile and I'll take a break and be like, Oh, Oh, I saw a smile. I saw, see, it's not that bad. What I do in my practice is I try to look for silver linings. I try to look for those moments where patients feel like this cancer diagnosis is not a punishment, but is an opportunity to improve upon their own body image. And so if that's with reconstruction, so you may not know this also because you know, you're looking down at your man boobs right now, but a lot of women are asymmetrical or, um, you know, have breastfed and, and sometimes preferentially best breastfed out of one breast. And so one is bigger than the other, or gravity has brought those nipples down towards the belly button. And so breast cancer is an opportunity to resurrect 
to bring those breasts back to their 21-year-old glory. It's to remove the breast tissue and replace it with implants, and they can have, you know, perky breasts, or to, you know, have an autologous tissue reconstruction, which means that they're taking tissue from their own body, either from their tummy or their back, and recreating breast tissue and making it look more beautiful than it did when they started. Silver linings, you know, I think that that's important. Also, Dr. Farkas teams up with a particular I plastic do. surgeon by the name of Dr. Stephen Vega. So Dr. Stephen Vega is my partner, and we've been working together for several years, but I recently joined his practice. And the reason why it was a natural fit is because he is a superb plastic surgeon that never compromises on cancer care. We have what I call separation of church and state, which means I remove the cancer and he does the reconstruction. And not once has he ever said to me, oh, Rachel, don't, don't do that or don't take that tissue or don't remove that skin. He always says, you do what you need to do for the cancer and I will make this patient beautiful. And he always does. He always makes the patient whole. And that's, that's his skill set. And I think that what's really important is, you know, when a patient or a woman or a man is choosing their breast surgeon, you want to choose someone that you're confident in, someone that's going to get you through the journey. Because again, it's not like a one hit kind of operation. This is a journey. Breast cancer is something where you need a team you need a professional team and you need a team that is competent and a team that gets along with one another. So Stephen Vega and I have been working together probably for the better part of five or six years and he gets me and I get him and we can make a patient look whole again. And, and that's the important part is to get a patient to feel confident in their body and BTW remove the cancer. Oh, BTW. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, a side point. Side point. Yeah, a little byproduct there. You know, on on TV, and I don't believe this happens as it's portrayed, obviously. But on TV, all the time, <laughs> you, when you see uh, surgeries done in dramas, medical dramas, there's a a certain frivolity in that operating room where people are talking personally and they're joking and they're they do things to either keep themselves engaged or they keep it light or they play music or whatever. So my question is one, at least in your own personal operating room, your own, your own personal experience, how far away from the truth or close to the truth does that seem to be? And second of all, to whatever degree it does happen, how, how perhaps do you use humor and your own personality (laughs) to keep yourself centered to keep the people that are working with you centered and alert and also be able, you know, it takes a toll on people to constantly cut people open and know that there's a lot of tough times for for people and suffering. And, you know, especially when things don't go in the direction that you hope that they'll go and so forth as, as much as there are wonderful victories. My question is, is what's that like in the operating room for you and, I'm so glad you asked that because I wouldn't have thought of it. I have two customs that I am, I feel very strongly about. So the first, the first thing that I do is every time a patient reels into the operating room, either I'm accompanying them or maybe I'm there already, I always do this. I say, welcome to your party. This is your hotel suite. We're going to rock out. What would you like to hear? Because there is, you're right, there's always music playing or there usually is. 
what would you like to hear? And it's not like I'm catching them on the spot. It's actually a conversation that we have before they're under any type of anesthesia. So we usually have their music playing. Just because it's on my mind and it just happened last week, I had a patient who came in for her post-operative visit. She didn't have cancer, but she had surgery with me. And she said, I had the most wonderful time at my surgery. And I said, go on. (laughs) And uh, she said, you know, the operating room lights, you may not know, um, they kind of have this like psychedelic kind of disco ball quality to them. And so, so when she came in, she picked up on that and she said, oh my God, that's a disco ball. The nurse in the room picked up on her saying it was a disco party and threw on some ABBA dancing queen music. And all of us just started singing and doing the little, you know, shuffle. And she remembered that. And she said, my surgery was at a disco. And all I remember is you guys singing to me as I went to sleep. And I felt so comfortable and loved that the next thing I knew I was awake and my surgery was over. So that is my custom is I love catering Uh to the patient as they go to sleep. The other custom I have is that I always talk about the patient at some point during the operation. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Some operations are long and tedious. And yeah, we do listen to music and maybe we chit chat. And, and I think that, that that is, you know, that's commonplace in all operating rooms. But we always have a moment, a few moments, where we talk about the patient. And I always like to acknowledge something about the patient, whether it's their story, whether it's their workup whether it's some weird quirky thing that they've got going on. I like that the people in the room know something personal about the patient so that they feel like they identify with them, right? Because identifying with someone who you've just met is challenging. And a lot of times the patient comes in kind of groggy. And so I like that the team knows something about the patient that lets them connect. And I think that helps them. Yeah. It helps them. um, you know, we, we want to do the best for our patients, right? No one ever says, no one ever comes to work and says, I'm going to half-ass this today, right? That's just not enough, right? Every time I come into the operating room, I'm giving that patient 100%, but that's me. And so I want my team to be in the same place. And in order for them to be in the same place with me, I've got to give them something. And so that's what I give them, a little story, a little snippet, a little something that we talked about in the office, a challenge the patient had something that they overcame, you know, and that, that connects them back to the patient, which makes us a more effective team. Wow. I absolutely love, love hearing this. You know, I've been affected by it, grandmother, mom, and, and I think most people, you know, know somebody. However, it definitely affects all of us women because we need to get mammograms and with COVID, you know, maybe some mammograms have been missed. So if you were going to take us out on some advice um, with this podcast today. So ladies, the tatas or whatever you call them, and everybody calls them something different. Ben and Jerry. Those are yours. That's cute. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Listen, I think think we could have a whole podcast about your breasts. (laughs) Your breasts are very important to me. But... um, (laughs) I know. You I'm, have I'm mentioned his at them right now. a couple times. They're fascinating. So we know um, fetishes. We're good. We're, we're emphasizing male breast cancer. So, um, <laughs> ladies, COVID is not an excuse to skip the mammogram this year. In fact, 
COVID is what is going to motivate you to get on the phone and call your doctor or call your radiology facility and schedule your mammogram. You might not get in tomorrow. You might not get in next week. But guess what? You've got the whole month. This is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Put your appointment in the month of October. And guess what? Every year, you will go in the month of October. You may be delinquent one month. You may be delinquent one year. But just remember, every woman over the age of 40 needs to get a mammogram every year. Okay, now the older ladies are saying, I'm too old to get a mammogram. Incorrect. You are not too old. Unless you plan on dying in the next five years, you get yourself to a mammogram facility and you get a mammogram because that is important. Now, for all you ladies who say, my breast tissue is dense, I don't need a mammogram. No, you do. You need a mammogram because mammograms show calcification and we can't see that on any other imaging modality. So if you think you need an ultrasound, well then hooray for you. You need a mammogram and an ultrasound. And the radiologist that you work with will guide you in the proper direction for your breast density. Get a mammogram. Dresden, did you get a mammogram this year? Before everything shut down. Yes, I did. Good girl. It's in my family. So definitely... But, you know, no. I, I, not to make it lighthearted, no. but getting a mammogram is not fun, is not fun. And I don't want to look down and see what's happening. So I want to start a movement. All radiology labs where they do mammograms to have posters of Cabana Boys on the wall. So I have something to look at. How about John so Bon Jovi? Look down at my squished ta-ta. Any age. I'll take, I'll take gray haired, short haired John. I'll take long haired, curly John. Yeah. John Bon Jovi John posters bon Jovi or had any inclination scene. he was become yeah. some sort of poster boy for breast cancer awareness. <laughs> I just don't see he saw that. I was just thinking of him in his leather He's so pants cool. and thinking he that that would distract it. Dresden from her. Stop girl. Mammogram. I would ask her if she, I would ask I, her I if she could I do it again. That, um, you know, mammograms came yeah. about in the eighties. And we know that COVID now has sort of really impacted the number of women who've gotten mammograms. And I would hate to start seeing palpable, meaning tumors you can feel like. We don't want to go back to the 80s before mammograms. We don't want to start finding things that are big and bulky and ugly. We want to be able to do sexy breast cancer operations. And in order to do a sexy breast cancer operation, we really need to find these tumors early. And to find them early, we need everybody to get a mammogram. Dresden, you sort of, uh, the two of you were jokingly hitting on something, but it occurs to me, is there typically anything that happens in, that's right, you pour that pink wine. I'm pouring you pour that, white, that pink uh, wine, girl. You pour that wine. You know how you go wine. to the, the dentist and sometimes when you walk out, not only do you get a toothbrush, but you get a, a lot of times a lollipop, or at least the kids do. No, you don't get a lot. No, I'm saying. I don't I, even are you still going to the pediatric dentist? <laughs> he guesses, he <laughs> touches my tummy and guesses what I ate for lunch. Oh my God, that's a whole other podcast and I really don't want to go there right now. <laughs> my wow. doctor, when I was a kid, that's what my doctor did. He would, he would feel our stomach. And Say he, no and, and he, go <laughs> and tell someone you trust. Stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. Oh, my God. Uh, 
That was perfect. Okay, so anyway, uh, and he oh would tell my god, us, that like, was awesome. Well, you had peanut butter jelly, and I obviously you talked to my mother beforehand. And we thought it was magic, like it was crazy. He's the best doctor ever. Anyway, my wow. question was, my question was, in all, <laughs> in, in, in all, no, I'm dying all, to see where it's going. Going to get a mammogram <laughs> sucks. It's uncomfortable. It's old. You're scared you're going to get bad news. You, yeah. No one's thinking. uh, I'm sorry. I believe too few. No, let me just finish the question. I know where you're going. Okay. But you can finish if you want. I just want to finish to make sure. But I'm excited that you're already there. The 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 thing is is what can be done. I'm not saying we're going to solve it right here. Or what is happening that you've seen that's cool that aside from the motivation of save your life, let's go with a group of women and go out to lunch afterwards. What can be done to make that there's a sort of Pavlovian cause and effect? Because kids will go to the dentist because they know there's that sucker at the end or the, you know what I mean? Like what can you do to create a, a sort of positive? I'm trying so hard not to be naughty. All right. So here's the thing. No one is going to like give you a free breast lift or like, you know, no, I think that the the imaging, our imaging facilities in Rochester have really tried to lighten the mood. Um, They have beautiful aesthetic in their waiting rooms. They have fish tanks, they sell jewelry, they sell all sorts of stuff. And I think that they're really trying to make it better what I would say, and I, you know, October has started. So my friends have started getting mammograms and they have some findings that are abnormal or things that require further imaging. And they're already freaking out and, you know, signing their wills and, and, you know, bequeathing all of their children to me is you've got to go into it. The mindset that you're doing something preventative, right? Like, like you said, you're going to the dentist to get your teeth clean because you want your teeth to stay in your mouth for a long time, you're not going to get a mammogram to find cancer. You're going to get a mammogram to make sure that you have a clean bill of health for another year. Don't psych yourself out. Don't feel like this is the mammogram that's going to find cancer. Go in thinking. That's a great way. Yeah. This is going to be another year of good health. I'm checking off a checkbox in my annual screening I'm doing something that's going to give me a clean bill of health so I can walk out and feel confident that I've got another good year ahead of me. That's true. I love that so much. Although I will say, how fun would it be if there was your own stand-up comic in that room and they're just like, hey, what, <laughs> what's your name? Where are you from? Wow, tough room. You know, it's like, it's and, and they're just clacking jokes with you the whole time and you just be laughing. Can't move. That Listen, no, you can't because you and, can't and move. Just to be fair, even you though Dresden hates her mammogram, I find mine Darn. totally okay. You know, everyone has a different experience. So, like, you know, you've got that one friend named Dresden who's like, oh, mammograms suck. You know, like, they don't always Bring suck. Down, I think Dresden's fine. She's Debbie Downer. I, I, Listen, I just want to look at Bon Jovi sister. posters. You can look at whatever you want. I don't think I deemed mammograms to hell. Oh, yeah. and, and, now, and we've added the new Bon Jovi suite to our office. It's inspired by one oh, of our Oh, John. I know. Oh, John. Oh. We're halfway there. Oh. <laughs> Other breast. You can have whatever oh, you I want, but I'm taking money. John. Can oh, you do that in between money. breaths when you finish the one breast for the mammogram? Then you still oh, claim we're halfway there. We're halfway there. Oh, we're yeah. Right. 
No, 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 no. She doesn't oh, want yeah, to say to her cancer patients. No, that's not everybody. That would not be good. So we got to change the words. I've been, I've been finding the words everything, but I appreciate No, of course. I think there is humor in it. Like, you know, for instance, I'm going to throw this out there because I've been thinking about it since the beginning of the podcast. So you gave your little Yentl pitch, right? You know, can you hear me? Whenever I do a bilateral mastectomy, which means the woman has both of their breasts removed and she doesn't have reconstruction, the thing that I do afterwards is I usually wrap them in an ACE bandage to keep it nice and snug because that feels comfortable for the patients. And I always think about Yentl wrapping herself so she could become a man. You remember that? Yeah. And like some patients will get that analogy and some won't. And, you know, although I've disclosed my superb Jewishness on this podcast, you know, when you meet me in real life, maybe you don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I want to like say, hey, did you see the movie Yentl? But I don't want to like, you know, can't you just as you wrap them just go Papa, can you hear me? If they get it, they get it. Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> then do you tell them the story about the Hanukkah bush? Oh, the Hanukkah oh, bush. Mic drop. We're done. Rachel, <laughs> you are in Rochester, New York. Dr. Rachel Farkas, how can people connect with your practice or follow you on social media or however you like to connect? I've never done this before, but watch this. If you want to see me on social media, my Instagram uh, name is Rachel L. Farkas. If you want to find me on Facebook, I'm Rachel Farkas. If you want to call my office and set up an appointment, 585-383-4040. Otherwise, you can show up at my house, but I'm not telling you where that is. But if you go on social media, you'll find it. I love talking to people. I love talking about experiences. Um, You know, I love sharing my experiences. Like Dresden, I have a strong family history of breast cancer, and I'm not afraid to talk about it. So listen, breast cancer is highlighted in October, but is important all year round. If I send one message, it's get your mammogram. If I send two messages, it's that no two breast cancers are the same. And so don't feel like you're coming to a cookie cutter doctor because I am far from it. I want to tailor your treatment to you. I want to do what you want and I want to make it a positive experience. Great. Oh, by the way, I find it very interesting that you're full-blown Jewish and it looks like there's a cross behind you the entire time you've been talking. So it's kind of hilarious for me. It is funny. Listen, it's hilarious. That's we believe well, in a Jesus higher authority. Was Jewish. It's of okay. The American Medical Association. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> American College of Surgeons. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I thought uh, American uh, Society of Breast Surgeons. Society of Surgical Oncology. Dr. Rachel Farkas, you and your pink wine have been a delight, and we appreciate you so much and all the wonderful ah. messages that you've given. You were a lot of fun. Thank you so much Woo-hoo. for being Thanks. on Funny People Talking. You guys are fabulous, and thank you for the opportunity to share or talk about my favorite things. Awesome. All right. Well, good luck to you. Continued uh, good health to you, as well, of course, as well. And that is it for this special breast cancer awareness episode of Funny People Talking for Elsie. Thanks so much. And Dresden. Papa Get your mammogram. I'm Mark Rako. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. And uh, oh, by the way, stay funny. <laughs> That's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, oh boy, what a crock. 
This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.